0: i ask you to turn with me to John's gospel. I put a verse up on the board. I'm going to ask you actually to turn to John chapter 1. We're going to look there. But before we do, you could read this, this verse that's in front of us, a couple of verses from the end of John's gospel, near the end, second last chapter. And John writes this as he kind of summarizes what he has presented at this point in his book in his gospel account and truly jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book but these are written that you may believe that jesus is the christ the son of god and that believing you may have life in his name john refers here to seven signs that the lord committed and i want to start by by asking you if you can think of what these signs are. In John's Gospel, there are seven great miracles that are presented to us. See if we can recall what these are. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get this quicker working or not. It's like I'm having the same problem Pierre did. So uh, I'm gonna have to get some help from the booth. Mm -hmm. Seven miracles recorded in John's Gospel. Can you think about what they are? Just try to uh, stretch your mind a little bit. In chapter two, the Lord turned water into wine, this beginning of signs to Jesus in Cana of Galilee and many believed on him. As the Lord performed these miracles, these great signs of his power, showing his divine authority, people believed. John writes at the end of the gospel that he did these signs so that you would believe. And it's interesting, as we read these signs in John's gospel, we find that the result was that people believed. They came to faith in Christ as a result of these signs. Chapter 4, a nobleman had a sick son, and he came to the Lord some great distance and asked for help, and the Lord healed that man's son from a distance. He said, go your way, your son is healed. And the man's son was healed. Chapter 5, we have a man at the pool of Bethesda. And uh, he's been an invalid there for 38 years. And he's waiting for the waters to be moved. And he longs to be healed through the power that's invested in some way in those waters. But the Lord comes along and heals him in this different way. The Lord touches him and brings healing to him. And then in chapter 6, we have uh, the fourth Great miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, where the Lord turned five loaves and two fish into enough food to feed the great multitudes that had gathered, 5,000 men besides women and children. Later in chapter six, we have the Lord walking on the water, a great miracle demonstrating the Lord's power even over the physical elements of nature, the Lord demonstrating his omnipotence, healing of the man who is blind from birth. Chapter 9, the Lord comes across a man who had never seen in all of his life. From the point of his birth, he had been blind, and the Lord gives him sight. And the man sees, and It results in faith. And then in chapter 11, we have the Lord demonstrating his power even over death. In the raising of Lazarus from the grave, who had been dead for four days, And at the command of the Lord, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus rises from the grave. These signs that John records in his gospel, just seven of many that the Lord performed, great miracles demonstrate the power of the Lord. They demonstrate his divine power. They back up the claims that he makes to be the son of God, that he is able to come to forgive people's sins, or the message that Jesus provided to us is substantiated, authenticated by the great miracles that he performed. They support the claims that he made. There are other ways that the Lord demonstrates his authority. We have these great miracles demonstrating Christ's omnipotence, But there's something else that we see in the Lord Jesus Christ that also authenticates in many ways his claims and helps us to understand that he comes with a message that is substantial and significant to us. That is his omniscience. The Lord knows all. He knows everything that is happening and there are several ways that this too is demonstrated in John's Gospel. We see his omnipotence. Christ's omniscience is demonstrated. His omniscience, his knowing all, all-knowing, knowing knowing everything is seen in many ways. He knows the future. We see this in a number of texts in John's Gospel. The Lord says, as uh, those who are coming to arrest him are still some distance off, the Lord says, therefore, knowing all things that will come upon him, He went forward to those who were coming to arrest him he knew what was going to happen he knew about what was going to happen in his crucifixion he knew how he was going to go to the cross he knew it all before it happened he knew others gathered around didn't know how it was all going to unfold but jesus knew jesus knew all that was going to happen not just his crucifixion but throughout his life his omniscient and it was demonstrated in so many ways Excuse me, the Lord's omniscience is demonstrated through his knowledge of the future. Prophetic statements that he made. He talked about things that were going to happen. In fact, in chapter 16, he says to his disciples, I'm telling you these things now so so that when they happen, you will believe. He tells about things that are going to happen in the future and demonstrates his omniscience. He is demonstrating his omniscience by his knowledge of scripture. And as he communicated with the people of his day, and as he, as he debated and argued with the religious leaders, they marveled at him. At one point, the Jews marveled, saying, how does this man know letters, having never studied? How do They know that he had not been to the rabbinical schools of the day, and yet he knew the scriptures. He knew the scriptures because he was the word of God. In a sense, we could say he was the author of the scriptures. He had omniscience and he knew all. He addressed issues that were on people's mind. Seven times over in John's Gospels, we see, I'm gonna suggest, miracles of omniscience. get some help again, I think. I'd like to look today at seven lessons from seven miracles of omniscience. Seven times in John's Gospel that the Lord said something that caused people to just stand back in awe and say, wow, how did he know that? Seven occasions when people recognized in the things that Jesus said that this man, Jesus, knows everything. These seven occasions are occasions when we can learn something too about ourselves, about our relationship to God and about his knowledge of us. Seven miracles of omniscience that teach us something about our relationship to God. Let's turn please to John chapter one and look at our first miracle of omniscience and our first lesson that we might learn from it. John chapter one. Here we have the account of Nathaniel, <clears throat> Verse 43, if you have a Bible follow along here. Following day, Jesus went up to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. I want you to notice Nathaniel's response to Philip. Verse 46, Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I don't know how you would characterize that response by Nathaniel to Philip's statement. I think I would see it as, at best, a little bit skeptical. The question is whether anything really can come out of a a disreputable town like Nazareth, a town of no real significance. doesn't sound like he's too convinced as he comes to Philip. Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. again, let's notice Nathaniel's response. Nathaniel said to him, "How do you know me?" I don't know how you would characterize that response by Nathaniel, but I see in it perhaps now a little bit of a little bit of interest. Maybe his interest is piqued, curiosity, perhaps." How do you know anything about me? Maybe what the Lord had said about him an Israelite indeed in whom there was no deceit is something that rung a chord with him that he recognized that that was how he tried to live. I don't know. I don't know why he seemed to all of a sudden have some interest, but he did. Now all of a sudden he seems to have some interest in what the Lord is saying. But look at the next statement of the Lord. Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, while you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And I read that comment by the Lord. I, from a third party observer, don't think so much of it. Okay, he saw, Philip under, saw Nathaniel under the fig tree. But this comment by the Lord had a significant impact in the mind and in the heart of Nathaniel. All of a sudden, Nathanael's impression of the Lord changes, and it changes dramatically. This little statement by the Lord Jesus Christ caused Nathanael to drop what he was doing in his life and make a decision that from that point on, he was going to go out and follow this man, Jesus. For three years, he traveled with him, learning all that he had to say. Nathaniel's response, he answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. I don't know what Philip was what Nathaniel was doing under the fig tree. We don't know. The scripture doesn't say a lot of people have speculated. Maybe maybe Nathanael was doing something there that he, he shouldn't be doing, and Felt he had been caught. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was just that Nathaniel knew that there's no way in the world that Jesus could have seen him there under that fig tree. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is about the statement of the Lord that caused Nathanael to change his understanding of who Jesus was so dramatically and so instantly. But it seems very clear to me that this was a miracle of omniscience. That Nathanael recognized in the words that Jesus said that there is no way that he could have known that. And it resulted in Nathanael's life and faith. You see, we learn this message, this lesson, from this incident, this miracle of omniscience, that Jesus knows us personally. Jesus knew exactly what Nathaniel had been doing and exactly where Nathaniel was. He knew him personally, just as he knows us personally, just as he knows the intricacies of our lives. He knows everything about us. He knows where we have been. He knows what we're doing. He knows what we're thinking. He knows us personally. He knows the details of our lives. David knew this, the psalmist. And he wrote about it in Psalm 139. He said, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my paths and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. There is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. There are no secrets with the Lord. You know, Jonah, the prophet, thought that he could hide from the Lord. He thought that he could get away to a place where the Lord would not see him. And he learned the hard way that you cannot hide from the Lord. The Lord knows you. He knows all about you. He knows where you are. He knows what you think. He knows what you're doing. He knows the intricacies of your life. He knows you personally. Adam and Eve came to that same understanding. They thought perhaps they could hide in the garden from the Lord. Lord knew where they were. The Lord knew what they had done. The Lord knew what they were thinking. We cannot hide from the Lord. The Lord knows us personally, knows us intimately. You know, we might feel that it's disconcerting to think that people know a lot about us. We like our privacy. I always feel just a little bit infringed upon when I get messages from the big corporations to advertise to me about a car. Because I happened uh, three weeks ago to be looking at cars, doing some research about cars, and I click some buttons on Google to find interest, and all of a sudden I start to get all these information about cars coming to me unsolicited, and I feel a little bit... I don't like it when I think about the fact that the government collects data about me. And, and I guess that's okay, but, you know, we feel a little bit uncomfortable. And I'm going to tell you this, that the Lord knows everything about you. It isn't so that he can take advantage from you or that he can take from your wallet or, or for his own good. He does it for our good. It is for our benefit. It is for our blessing. His intimate knowledge of us is positive towards us. He understands our ways and our motives. He is able to intervene in our lives for our good, to bring us comfort and encouragement and direction. He does it in ways that no one else can. We confront no sorrow, which he is unaware. No injustice that he doesn't know about. He no danger that he has not seen. He knows us, he knows us intimately. He knows our strengths, he knows our weaknesses and he has provided all that we require for life and godliness in, in personalized packages for our blessing and for our benefit, to meet our individual needs. He knows us personally. And so, Nathaniel experienced the miracle of omniscience and it initiated his faith. Let's look at another miracle of omniscience. Turn with me to John chapter 4. Here we read the account of a woman at the well. The Lord is traveling through Samaria and he comes to this village called Sychar. Sychar. It's clear that he had not spent time in this town before. The people did not know him. He didn't know them. But he stopped at the well, and a woman was there who had come to draw water at the well. The Lord engages with this woman in conversation. Give me a drink. He asks for a drink. The woman is surprised that the Lord would be talking to him, to her. She is a Samaritan and a woman, and she says, Why are you, a Jewish man, talking to me, a Samaritan woman? Lord goes on and offers her water. Says if you hadn't known who I was, you would be asking me and I would give you living water. Now this woman is a little bit interested in the discussion and she wants to know more about this living water that the Lord's going to offer. Verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water, that I may not thirst and come here to draw. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you have now is not your husband and that you spoke truly. This statement by the Lord must have shocked this woman. Clearly did shock this woman from her response we can see that she was amazed. She marveled at the omniscience of the Lord. Verse 28, we carry on, the Lord continues with a bit of discussion, but then we read this, the woman left her water pot and went in her way to the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ, she says. I wonder if you've ever been surprised by somebody who you have uh, got caught up in some way in conversation with somebody you don't really know very well. You might know them a little bit somehow, but they don't really know you. You don't know them, and then they shock you by saying something to you that reveals that they know something about you. And you look at them. Who is this person? How did you know that? doesn't happen often, but I'm sure it's happened to some of you. It's happened occasionally to me. And I do a double take and I say, do I know you from somewhere? Like, how do you know this about me? The Lord knew something about this woman and it surprised her. He knew something about her past, he knew something about her history. It caused an immediate upward spiral in her appreciation of who Christ was. She responded right away and said, you, I perceive that you must be a prophet, she said. And then as the conversation went on, she began to wonder, I wonder if this could be the Christ, the Messiah. By the time the Lord had spent a couple of days with her and with those in the village, she and all of those around her came to understand and to acknowledge that this is the Christ, the Savior of the world. It all started with this miracle of omniscience. You see, the Lord knew her past. The Lord knew her past. We can learn this, that the love of God is unconditional to us. He calls sinners to repentance, not the righteous, the sinners. The Lord did not offer the water of life to this woman Because uh, he was unaware of her history. He knew her history. He knew about her failings and her successes. He, He knew all about the things that had transpired in her life. The good times and the sad times that she had had. The struggles and the difficulties. The problems she had got herself into. He knew all about her past. Yet he reached out to her anyway. love of God was unconditional. It assures me that my guilt has been dealt with. The Lord reaches out to me despite my past, and as I come to accept him, I don't need to wallow in my guilt about the things and the failures and the problems I've had in the past. Some among us here today, no doubt, have lived fairly good lives. Others here might have had a lot of troubles in their life, a lot of struggles, a lot of times of failure, perhaps some really low periods, times when you've done things you're not proud of. Regardless of your history, be assured of this, the Lord knows it. The Lord knows all about it. He knows your past, and regardless of your past, he reaches out to you today in love and offers you the water of life. The Lord, there is acceptance. We can rejoice in that. But I want to say this the fact that the Lord knows our past should be a fearful prospect if you are going to decline his offer of the water of life. The Word of God tells us that there will be a day where those who do not come to faith in Christ and accept his offer of salvation are going to have to give account for what they've done. There is going to be punishment, needed out for the sins and the wrongs that we've committed. And now the fact that the Lord knows our past is kind of a frightening prospect. There will be no skeletons in the closet for those who have rejected the Lord's offer of salvation one day when they stand before him as his judge. The woman at Sychar experienced a miracle of omniscience and it produced faith and it caused in her, it prompted her to go and to call others to come and to meet him and to learn from him. It resulted in faith. The Lord knows our past and he calls us nonetheless to him. Let's look at another miracle of omniscience, John chapter 6. Here we read, I'll just read a few verses in 41. John chapter 6 and verse 41, the Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then, he says, I have come down from heaven. The Lord had been teaching about the fact that he was the bread of life. And the people had some difficulty understanding what he was talking about. The Lord had said, you must eat my bread flesh and drink my blood. And the people went, what? What are you talking about? They didn't understand it. They didn't get it. Verse 52. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat they listened to the teaching of the Lord and then they went back into the corner and they talked about it among themselves and said, this doesn't make sense. We don't get it. don't understand what he's talking about. They went to their homes and they they debated among themselves. They talked over the fence. This isn't making any sense. No, I don't know what he's talking about. Verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard it, said... This is a hard saying, who can understand it? Verse 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the son of man ascend to where it was before, where he was before? It is the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. Verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Jesus said to the twelve, do you also want to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus knew in himself. He knew that there were some who were struggling with the things that he was saying. lesson that we might learn from this is this, that the Lord knew. He knows our impediments. doesn't start with P. I don't usually use alliteration, by the way, but I thought I would in this this message. I couldn't come up with a P here, but impediments are supposed to come. He knows our impediments. He knows those things that are hindrances to our faith. He knew that the teaching that he was giving was, was difficult. God's word is a mine of great depth. There is rich ore in it. Sometimes it's hard to extract it, isn't it? Sometimes we find things that are difficult for us to understand. Sometimes we find things that are difficult for us to, to accept, frankly. The Lord knows Lord understands that. He knew within himself that they were arguing about it and talking about it and struggling with it. He knew. Sometimes, you know, we have difficulty with some of the things in God's Word because they are personally convicting, they're challenging to us. We struggle with them because they really should require in our part a change in our thinking or a change in our conduct. We struggle with that. Sometimes we struggle with the things that we read in God's word because, because they don't necessarily mesh with the things, the pressures that we feel in society. They maybe run contrary to the things that the world wants us to do around us, our community, our society. I want you to notice the response of the Lord to those who are struggling so much with the things that he had to say. Maybe we should notice first how the Lord did not respond. He didn't respond by softening the message. He didn't respond with an apology. I'm sorry for what I said. He didn't respond by modifying his words to make them more palatable to the audience that he was speaking to. He didn't look for some way to accommodate the life of the people within the teaching he was giving. What he did do was this, he took time. He took time to explain. When they struggled to understand, he went back and reinforced. He discussed it further. You notice that as I was reading about these objections to the people, I was skipping over a number of verses. In each case, the Lord went back and talked a little more about the subject that they were struggling with. He went on to try to explain it to help them to understand it. This is how he responded. He explained the importance of his message. He he explained at the end that this was a spiritual lesson for them, that it was important for them to understand it. The Lord knew that that there were those who struggled to accept his message. And he knew that there were those who would turn away and would not accept it and would not embrace it in the end. But he maintained steadfast the teaching he was giving. Above all, this is what he did. He challenged those who remained with him to step up in faith. That's what he did. And Peter responded along with the disciples. And we have one of the great confessions of faith here in the words of Peter. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Three great miracles of omniscience that we find in John's Gospel, three of seven, There's four more and we won't take time to go through them but I'm gonna mention them and I encourage you to look, look them over for yourselves. The next one is right here in the same text when the Lord says here in this next verse, Jesus knew, verse 64, Jesus knew from the beginning those who did not believe. He knew who they were who did not believe, and he knew who would betray him. Verse 70 says, did I not choose you, the 12, and yet one of you is a devil? Spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. The Lord knew those who were his. He knows his own. He even knew who would betray him. There's rich lessons we could think about in that. He knows our position, he knows where we stand. Before him. And there's a few verses from John's God, from the Bible that speak about that in our New Testament. The Lord knows our position. I want to just spend a minute and mention this one The Lord knows our problems in John chapter 11. I'm just going to ask you to bear with me for a second as we look at a verse in John chapter 11. I love John chapter 11 and verse 5. It's one of my favorite verses and it's very simple and it just says this Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. I find great comfort and encouragement in that simple verse. It reminds me of the Lord's love for me. A little later in this passage, the Lord says, Lazarus is dead, verse 14. The disciples had no idea that Lazarus had died. The sisters had called for the Lord to come to him, urgently, because Lazarus was sick. The Lord didn't leave what he was doing. He stayed where he was. Lazarus passed away. How did the Lord know that Lazarus was dead? The disciples had no clue. They didn't understand that Lazarus was dead. They they thought the Lord was talking about him sleeping. They said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get well. That's a good thing. No, the Lord said plainly, Lazarus is dead. It was a miracle of omniscience we can learn from it that the Lord knows our problems. The Lord knows the difficulties that we face. The disciples had no clue, but the Lord knew, and the Lord knows about the problems we face in life. when others don't know, Jesus knows the Lord is not unaware of the challenges that we face in life. He knows about our problems. He understands our sorrows and the burdens of our heart. The Lord knows, Jesus knows. We are never alone in calamity, Jesus knows. When the doctor calls with that dreaded diagnosis, Jesus knows. When we have a child that's gone off track, when we have a parent that's diagnosed with Alzheimer's and to struggle, Jesus knows. Jesus knows our problems. Jesus knows when an accident devastates our life, he knows when we face some financial hardship or burden, Jesus knows. He knows our problems. He knows our heartaches. He knows our struggles. But his omniscience is even greater than that. He knows even before we know. And even more, he knows the outcome. He knows how it's going to all transpire. And he cares. He knows and he cares. Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus and he wept. He wept with those who are grieving. Why did he weep? He knew that in just a moment's time he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He wept because he was burdened for the heartache that they were experiencing at that moment. He wept because he cared. Martha knew that Jesus knew. Martha knew that Jesus cared. Before Lazarus was raised from the dead, while she was still in her grief, she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The Lord challenged her to believe. And she said, Lord, I believe. I believe that you are the Christ. In one of the great confessions of faith, she acknowledged him even in her grief. and blessing followed. As Lazarus was raised from the dead and she saw something of the glory of God. He knows our problems. He knows our problems. Our time is gone. You can look for yourself at John chapter 16. He knows what you're thinking. We can pray to him. When we pray to him, we can speak with our words, with our mouth, with our lips. But We can also speak with our head and in our heart. And he knows what we're saying because he knows our thoughts. He knows our ponderings. He knows our questions. He knows the challenges that we have. It resulted in faith in the part of the disciples. And he knows our progress. He knows the doubts that we have, as he did with Thomas in John chapter 20, doubting Thomas. He knew about the setbacks that he faced in life. Jesus knows. He knows all of these things. It is for our blessing and for our benefit that he does. Seven great miracles of omniscience that were demonstrated in John's gospel seven great lessons that we can learn from them that help us in our faith and help us to understand our relationship to him. He knows, he is omniscient, and it is a great blessing to us. Father, we thank you for your word and for its power in our lives. We thank you for the power of our savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and for the evidence of his deity that he exhibited while he walked among us here. The great miracles of omnipotence as he calmed the seas and as he healed the sick and as he cast out demons as he walked on the water, all show his divine authority and power. But we thank you too for these miracles of omniscience in which we see that he is knowing all. And that in his knowledge of us, in his knowledge of me, he knows and he cares. He reaches out to us in our time of despair, in our time of need, in our time of help, regardless of our circumstance. He knows and he cares for us. Pray that you would help us to learn from this as we think about it and as we meditate it in the days ahead. We ask for your help in doing this in Jesus' name. Amen.